This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data, analytics, and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures, while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Bannocks, who is the Chief Data Officer at Danone. So Chris, thank you very much for being here. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Good. Um, so really excited about this um, this episode, Chris. But um, I guess where we always start, as you'll know, is we ask our guests to kind of give themselves a bit of a, an introduction because I can never do it justice. So um, yeah, if you kind of give us a, an insight into your, I guess, your background and your journey to date, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course, no problem. It's probably likely to be the least interesting part of this podcast, <laughs> but uh, um, I'll, I'll keep it relatively brief. I mean, I've been in and around data since uh, long before it was fashionable, um, uh, when in fact it was anything but fashionable, realistically. So um, I started this journey in around 1998, 1999, um, which seems like uh, probably to most of your listeners, like literally um, the, the the long distant past. Um <laughs> Uh, but, um, you know, I've worked most of my time in financial services. Uh, I've worked for a, a number of large, well-recognized brands like uh, Barclays, ING Bank, um, Namura International, um, uh, Credit Suisse West Boston. In fact, it was Credit Suisse where this all started, really. But um, And I've also uh, worked on the sales side, so running and um, delivering uh, products as a vendor to to banking and financial services. So I worked for Thomson Reuters, um, uh, late, latterly Refinitiv, and now the London Stock Exchange Group. Um, and it was Reuters when I originally joined it. So it's been through a number of acquisitions, but um, I ran uh, a number of different businesses for them uh, across Europe and, uh, and globally. Um, and, and I've been in the consulting side as well, running my own consulting businesses. So uh, I most recently made the switch from, from ING Bank as the chief data officer there uh, to uh, the, be the chief data officer at Danone uh, and move into an entirely uh, new industry, which was uh, you know, which has been a fascinating transition, and uh, and only you know continue to increase my kind of awareness and uh, of the different challenges we face as chief data officers. Yep, nice. Okay, fair enough. So I guess um, very briefly for anyone that doesn't know Danone, can you just give us a very brief overview in terms of the business and what it does? Sure, very simply, actually, a lot of people might know Danone um, for what Danone, I think, is probably best known for, which is its yogurts. Um, but, you know, that's how I thought about it when I first started talking to Danone, but actually realizing that actually it's a it's a 25 billion euro business in uh, 55 countries with uh, around um, 110,000 people. Um, you realize really the size and scale of the business, and it really has uh, three uh, components to it. So first of all is the uh, essential dairy and plant-based products, which is the yogurts business uh, globally that you would know and love, and and also all of the plant-based milks and other plant-based products. Um, uh, so the Activia brand is one example. So 
then there's the Walters business, which again is a is a global business. You'll know the brands like Evian and Volvic, but we have many other Walters brands globally. Um, and then perhaps less known, there is the um, the specialised nutrition business, which essentially uh, provides uh, baby food products, uh, but also nutrition to hospitals for um, feeding tubes and very uh, various other uh, nutrition based products to um, to the medical nutrition business. Um, so it really is truly a, a global brand with many brands sitting within it. Um, uh, and like I say, as I discovered it uh, as part of the initial uh, discussions I had with the note, uh, I didn't really have any clue how big the business was. Yeah, yeah, no, well, well I mean, that's uh, that's t- taken me by surprise because I didn't. I, again, I you know I know Danone for those little yogurts that you get in a pot that you shake yeah, up and exactly. down. Um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't know that Activia uh, was a, a Danone brand. I didn't know that Evian was a Danone brand. So there you go. Every day is a school day. Um, so look, really interested, and in, and I guess you know we we speak a fair amount, you know, on LinkedIn threads and stuff like that about a lot of this type of stuff in terms of the chief data officer role and persona and I guess where all of that sits and some of the shortcomings within the industry around that and, and things like that. So I guess a good starting point is what always fascinates me is that every data leader that I speak to, um, you know, nine and a half times out of 10 have an aspiration to become a chief data officer. That's typically, you know, the the pinnacle, if you like, in terms of the, the data analytics career trajectory. But if you think about the number of data analytics leaders there are across the world versus the number of CDOs or CDAOs, depending upon where you are in the world, there's there's very few CDO roles really in comparison. So why why is this in your opinion? Well, I think um, first of all, I think the latest research or the latest research that I've read shows about certainly in the larger company um, uh, spectrum, you know, kind of uh, global 1000 sort of companies, around 60% have chief data officers or an equivalent type role um, at a, a board or board minus one sort of level. Um, so it's around 40% that, that don't, clearly. I mean, there's still quite a lot of businesses. And then when you move into the mid-tier, it gets even rarer, I think, because uh, they don't position it in the same place in the business um, that you would expect to have it. So. Um, but I think it's a journey, right? I think if we look back um, into, you know, 2006, 2007, then there were even fewer. Uh, and that's really where the role started and started to emerge. And over time, it's got more and more. So I think we've seen quite a quite a growth in the role acceptance in, in, uh, in business overall. Um, and it continues to grow. So, um, but I think in many cases, the reason is because the board haven't identified it as a, as a strategic priority necessarily um, or haven't realised that you need a leader in place to be able to lead it as a strategic priority. Quite often it gets put under the CIO, as an example, um, or in some other place in the organisation uh, which pushes it down, further down the organisation uh, as a strategic priority. Uh, but I think, quite honestly, it existed in the CIO before 2006, 2007, um, and it was really financial services that realised through the 2008 crisis in particular um, that actually we need more focus on data within the organisation. And then it started to emerge. And I think as time goes on, other industries are waking up to the value of data. uh, And it's just going to take time. You know, for a a brand new C-level role to exist in reality uh, and to have some level of consistency in terms of the way it exists, the way it's positioned, um, takes a long time. 
Uh, and I think realistically, we're kind of you know, 11 or 12 years into this journey. Uh, and I think it will take another 11 or 12 for it to mature. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I guess you started to creep in into the realms there of where it sits. And that's obviously a very, very popular um, topic and, and debate in the industry right now around, you know, where data analytics as a capability should fit within to an organization and who owns it and all of that type of stuff. And, and um, obviously you mentioned about the CIO, I guess we're getting to the point now where there's a lot of um, people vocalizing the fact that this should really be its own thing, if that makes sense, you know, so its own C-level position that is an equal to some of the other C-suite leaders within a business. But I guess where where have you seen it best? Because I imagine throughout that, you know, your career and your journey, um, you'll have seen a variety of different places, if you like, for the, where this has been housed. And uh, have you got kind of any hints and tips on on that where, where it's worked the best? Yeah, so I can say, um, I, I mean, you know, if we think about, where it probably should sit, right? So what's the target um, journey? And the target journey really is to, to have the CEO report to the CEO and to have it as a true C-level uh, exec role. Reality is we're not there yet and you have to earn those stripes, right? They don't just get given to you. You, you know, the CEO and all of us in the seat and any of us going into the seat have to recognize the importance and the weight of responsibility that exists on us to get it there. Um, so, you know, we all have to perform incredibly well in our roles to be able to do that and to be able to get that traction. Reality is, in the meantime, the, the primary uh, important step is to have it report to the board or the exco, the decision-making body in the organisation, because otherwise it gets diluted and it can't really execute. Right? So that's the first thing. Um, you know, and I've not seen it really work as it's been pushed down the organization because it stops becoming a CDO role at that point. It just becomes, you know, a head of data role or something of that nature. Um, and that's where we sort of enter that sort of danger zone. So the reality is there's no one place where it should exist, right? It depends on a number of different inputs. Um, in terms of the relative maturity of the organization, the tech stack that exists, how possible is it to actually deliver what you're trying to deliver? What's the relative technology maturity of the organization? Um, and what's the culture of the organization? And what is the CDO there to do? As we know, the CDO kind of takes very many different guises today. Um, some are sort of purely defensive strategy focused, some are offensive strategy focused, some are a mixture of the two. And um, and depending on that, we'll determine where it should sit, what the objectives are, how the organisation um, culturally is set up, where the positions of power are, um, and then what's the relative maturity of the organisation overall, which also is an input to determining what the objective of the CDO is in the first place. So, fortunately, there's no cookie-cutter approach, uh, but equally there isn't for a COO, a CIO, or any of the other C-level roles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th this stuff fascinates me because we always get into this, you know, as an industry around data should be across the enterprise and across the organization. And, and logically, I'm thinking then, well, really, the only place where it should sit, if that is true, is is to be the CEO or, or possibly the COO, right? But we're yeah. still seeing it being housed under technology or finance or marketing. And I just always think that if it is there, you know, it almost kind of becomes someone else's second job, if you like. And there's always, a, you know, someone else's lens that you're seeing this through, which I find, I find fascinating. But as you say, you know, it's a case of earning stripes. And as this matures, I'm sure 
businesses will will start to realize the true value of it when when, when they get it right so something else you touched on there around the defensive versus offensive mm-hmm. strategy because i think you know I do quite a bit of work out in the US and they seem to be a bit further along on that journey. And now we're seeing that spread of, you know, CDOs and COO and they very clearly label that, you know, defense versus offense and, and stuff like that. Do you do you see that, that the way that's the way the industry will go? Because I I guess I kind of understand the benefits, you know, and I think a lot of people do because typically, as you said, people's background will typically relate to one side or the other more so than the other and therefore have a more particular set of skills. But I imagine that, you know, as we're struggling to find a home for the CDO where best fits, trying to then have a CDO and a CAO in the mix might become problematic and, and possibly political. So what, what what's your take on that? Yeah, I'm not a fan of, of splitting them. To be honest, I think um, I think that's dangerous. Uh, quite honestly, I, I think the two should exist together because um, there is a symbiotic relationship between analytics and data management. Right? So um, they help each other. Analytics can help data management massively. Can uh, massively improve the way data management happens. Can improve data quality significantly if you use the right approaches. And equally, data analytics can't exist without good data management. Uh, at least it's significantly harder. Right. So. Um, and the other thing, so, so to kind of close that down, I, I don't think that's a good idea to split the two roles. I think it should be uh, data and analytics as a, as a homogenous organization. Uh, and I think, like you say, when you split down the defensive and offensive strategies in terms of putting them under two different leaders, then you get political clashes, which are not necessary. But having said that, you know, you can get those political clashes no matter what, because ultimately you still end up having a head of data science or, or data analytics, and you end up having, you know, a head of MDM or data management or data governance, and they can still be the same political clashes between them, just at a different level in the organisation. At least you have one person to pull them together and uh, and make sure that they collaborate in that context. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to have the two things together because they have synergistic uh, features involved yeah. with each other and they can help each other yeah absolutely yeah and i think i'd i'd agree with that i think the last thing we need as an industry is more job titles to be fair so um so yeah i guess moving into the tenure because i know this is something we've discussed offline and i guess is widely debated and scrutinized and you know trying to be understood to, to a certain degree um two years seems to be the kind of benchmark before you know before a cdo lands in an organization two years later they're, they're gone so to speak um i guess given the amount of time and investment it actually takes to get this stuff right that kind of feels to me like there's something probably fundamentally wrong as to why that's happening what, what's what's your take why do you think that that is the case at the moment i, I think there's a number of things that are contributing to this situation um first of all um people eager to get into the role um, uh, and you know, I, I need to be a little bit careful here because I think everybody has should have the right opportunity to get into the role, but people should recognise what they're taking on when when they get into it. Um, and that's not the number one issue, right? It's just a it's a symptom rather than anything else. I would say um, the process of getting into one of these roles is really important that you really ask the right questions of the people who are hiring. Um, to make sure they actually understand what the objective is of the role. And sometimes that is too vague. Uh, It's not clear enough how the CEO is going to add value. It's not clear enough that the board actually know what they're trying to do. 
um, or that they want to get out of the role. Um, uh, and there's not enough long-term, medium-term commitment to this role as a as a real role in the organization that's going to be established in the long term. A lot of people, I think, are still dipping their toe into the water to see if this is successful. And in that situation, it's unlikely to be, right? Because there's a lack of commitment around the longevity of the role. So, you know, I think it's a maturity problem and, and it will it will sort itself out over time. But actually, I also think there's not enough research in this space. I think we haven't done the real academic research associated with saying, hey, you know, what are what's what are the component parts that would make up a successful CEO role? And how do we create the right archetypes within that to be able to know, hey, you know, this is a defensive, this is an offensive, this is a, a transversal, this is a transformation role. And it also depends on what you're going into. Are you going to set this up from scratch? Or are you going to pick this up where there's already something started and, and that you can move on from? Um, and, you know, all of those things are factors, along with all of the things I mentioned earlier, which are, you know, culture, maturity, all of those things. Anyone coming into one of these roles needs to make sure they know and understand all of those things um, and have met the right people on the journey in to be comfortable that they've asked the right questions and they know that the role that they're taking on actually has the right mandate within the organisation um, and that that they know what success looks like. And, and I don't think we've done enough of that because I think a lot of us have run towards, hey, there's a C-level role in data and I have the experience, I'm going to go do it. Um, and, you know, it's a difficult learning path um, if you don't have enough experience and analytical awareness um, to be able to operate in that environment. Yeah, some some really good points. And I guess there's, there's two things here that I kind of want to try and touch on. But I guess for... As I said before, most data analytics leaders that I know, you know, if I ask them, what's your career aspirations? It's, you know, I want a CDO role, irrespective of who they are, the type of sector, where they've come from, if they're if they're on that trajectory or not, you know, that's often the answer that that I'll receive. What type of things then, in your opinion, um, should these people be looking out for in terms of and I appreciate that's very difficult because each each business is so different. But I guess in terms of the the things that you outlined there, in terms of understanding the, the role and what the expectations are, and so on and so forth, what what key things would you be advising to these people who are maybe looking to take that step at some point over the next few years in terms of making that decision wisely? Well, I think first of all, they should look at whether they have the right experience to take on the role, and and the the, the challenge with that, honestly is there are so many different versions of the role in the market to them, right? So you can be, you know, you can be a chief data officer for HR data, right? I mean, you know, that's that's one kind of vertical um, and it's one type of chief data officer. You can be a chief data officer in a million euro company with a thousand people, or you can be a chief data officer in a 25 billion euro company with 110,000 people and they have different prospects right those are different things entirely so there are different levels just as there are different levels in CLO, ceo so you know that all of the c-level suite has that scale difference so recognize me well, you know do you want to be a cdo in a FTSE 100 company or do you want to be a, a, a cdo in a, in a mid-market company that's the first thing and then the skill sets are different because there's a great deal more kind of scale politics and other components in a 
in a FTSE 100 company, but they aren't necessarily in a mid-market company. I'm not saying they're devoid of politics, absolutely not. Um, but um, but it's a different prospect. So make sure you know you have the right skills to be able to deliver what is being expected. Ask the right questions, as I've said. Understand if the organization um, that you might be going into actually understands the differentiation between CIO, CDO, Chief Digital Officer. Um, what are all these roles and and how do they fit in the organization? What's the governance between those different roles in terms of responsibility, accountability, decision making? Um, if someone can't explain that to you, then um, they're either wanting you to go in and form it, so know what you're taking on, right? Because that is six months of operating model work, realistically, because no one knows what to do with you and you're going to have to do that job. Um, or um, run like hell. Um, because they they want you to do something they haven't defined, right? So be incredibly careful uh, because it is a potential um, poison chalice and you have to make sure that you're being set up for success uh, and not for failing. So those are the key things. In terms of actual qualities, right, that you should make sure you have, um, grit, determination, and thick skin um, are right at the top of the list because it's difficult, it's challenging, um, and... A lot of people don't know why you exist, so you're going to have to explain. So, you know, storytelling, presentation skills, um, stakeholder management, influencing skills, those are all key things. Notice I didn't ever, ever once mention, you know, you need to be able to program or, you know, you need, you, you need technical skills. You need a technical understanding, of course, right? I mean, I can spar with the best of them from an architectural perspective, um, but it's not what I'm paid to do. Um, so bear that in mind, you know, that it's great if you come from a technical background, you have those capabilities, but it's not enough for you to only have those capabilities. You have to have a lot of the soft skills, um, the team building and the leadership skills to be able to make it work. Good. Well, I'm glad you touched upon that because that saved me a job. And um, yeah, I feel like that's what I get paid to do as well now on LinkedIn, but that's a different story yeah. for another time. Um <laughs> That kind of leads us nicely into the second point, though, because I think what I see and evidently kind of what you're describing there, Chris, is that there may be this kind of trend, if you want to call it that, in the industry where some businesses are, as you mentioned before, dipping their toe in the water. They kind of know they should be having this stuff. They're not quite too sure what that looks like, what it consists of, how to go about doing it. And I guess I, I sometimes wonder whether we're kind of going through a similar type of trend as we did with the whole kind of data science hype, you know, several years ago where organizations jump on that bandwagon. It's kind of cool. Um, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's doing it. We should be trying it. And the CDO thing now is, is kind of, in my opinion, blown up to that level where, especially if you're a bigger organization, it seems like, well, we should have a chief data officer really because, you know, the bank across the road has one or whatever the case may be. Um, but I guess, it often seems that that's the case where most CEOs, if they're thinking about this, they know that they should have one, but the, 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 the variables with it, they're not too sure. How do we overcome that? Because it kind of feels to me that these CEOs almost need to be advised because, you know, if you're going to get into that situation where you're a chief data officer speaking to a business around what they want and they can't tell you, but they're, ho you know, they're effective then hoping that you can tell them. Right. And uh, I guess that's where sometimes the disparity comes when you deliver something that that's not what they were quite expecting possibly. 
how do we get over that? It seems like there needs to be some kind of advisory figures, you know, in the ear of the CEO almost that's kind of saying, right, look, this if you want this, this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to cost. Here's what needs to happen. This is the type of person. This is what you should expect, so on and so forth. Well, first of all, I'd say resist the temptation to tell them, right, because that's probably where this starts going wrong. Um, ask them questions, right, and they, it's got nothing to do with data, the questions you want to ask them, right, and nothing at all to do with data. Um, there does need to be an advisory element. Um, so, you know, to just stick on what I was saying, the, you know, the questions you ask the CEO and the, and the business leaders in the business are not about data. They're about the problems and the challenges they face and how they need to grow revenue and what their strategy is because, you know, you need to blend something um, together with that, not not create something that is about data because data is just the enabler. Um, analytics is just the enabler. Um, analytics is pointless if nobody does anything with it. You know, you can create great analytics products and if they're not used, you're still going to get fired, right? So, um, you know, the bottom line is connecting, you know, those those really important components of data and analytics together with the business need and making sure that there's adoption and use. Um, that's where the value is, right? So, um, so I wouldn't try and tell a CEO what they need to do in the space until you understand what their challenging problem is. Um, in addition to that, I do think there is a real need for um, accountability around data and digital and analytics uh, for the board or for the, the ex-co, um, however, you know, the organization structure, whatever language you use, but the, the key decision makers in the business um, need a governance component and oversight. And that's why I think, you know, the real thing that is going to change this industry and the way we think about this is non-executive roles that are data and digital leadership. Um, and when we start to see the appointment of non-executive data leaders at the at the board level of um, large companies, then I think that's the indicator that we're starting to mature because the CEO probably shouldn't know. Um, he needs an understanding of what he's trying to achieve um, and he needs some advice from someone um, who sits in a non-executive role that can that can not necessarily advise, but but challenge um, and keep the board honest around what they're doing, but also potentially be uh, you know an important mentor for the CDO, the incoming CDO or the CDO that's in place. Mm. Where does the consultancy space come into this? Because I was, interestingly and quite ironically, I was having a conversation just yesterday with someone that kind of said. Um, you know, a, a very well-known business, quite large, had, you know, kind of gone through this cycle of, you know, they, they brought Bain in. Bain said, right, this is what you need to do and blah, blah, blah. And then 12 months went by and nothing changed. And Bain came back in again and said, this is what you need to do. Um, so evidently that advisory in some aspects is ongoing, but I guess it, it almost seems to me that maybe the businesses aren't taking that as seriously for some reason. Is that a case of that? I don't know, they might think that these consultancies are just trying to drum up work for themselves or, you know, maybe an independent NED figure becomes, you know, more more credible and more trustworthy maybe possibly. Yeah, I think, well, I think that's where the, the NED role really does fit in. But I think, you know, specifically, you know, on the consulting side, you know, I think um, in many cases, these consultants are really essential to the businesses that they're serving. Um, the key is getting really quality advice from them that isn't just like cookie cutter, right? You know, this is what you need to do. That, you know, that always concerns me a little bit by, you know, if it's not preceded by what are you trying to achieve? 
um, because it, it's just not a one size fits all. But I think the consultancies have a huge responsibility in this space as well. Um, because there's actually many of them who, not all of them by any stretch of the imagination, but many of them, and actually some recruitment consultants, I've seen papers from some well-known executive search firms that say that they should be, you know, the combination of a CIO and a chief digital officer and chief data officer in one sort of super role at the board level. Well, you know, I don't think so. I, I completely disagree with that view. And therefore, yeah, and of course, there's going to be different views, right? So, you know, my view isn't the right view. It's just a view. Um, uh, so I'm just some guy sitting in the role. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean I know all the answers. Um, the You know, the reality is that we all have a responsibility to shape this right for our businesses going forwards. And I think consultants and consultancies um, should take that very seriously as well in terms of the advice that they give. The reason I think they're having to come back you know, in multiple iterations. That's not true across the board. Some are incredibly successful. Um, uh, but in the cases where they are having to come back and, and reiterate, I think that's a data literacy issue more broadly. Uh, it's about training the business, allowing them to fail, actually, like giving them the opportunity to fail at some of these things. Um, helps them understand, actually, what the right things to do are. So there needs to be a culture... Um, that accepts failure, not huge failure, you try and avoid that, but at least experimentation and iteration um, within that cycle so as the businesses can learn. And I think what you're seeing is teething problems associated with understanding and data literacy more broadly. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess on the kind of advisory piece and managing the expectations so that businesses kind of get this right and set themselves up for success, in, in terms of those expectations you know because i think broadly speaking what i often see is that businesses feel like they should be doing this stuff because it's very well documented very well talked about um you know there should be some data capability right within a business and and as you mentioned before often they dip the toe into the water they try it it's kind of it's kind of a half-baked attempt they almost want to see that it works before they're willing to really put the money where their mouth is and invest so i guess from a expectations standpoint you know when you're having these types of conversations and scoping out what these roles look like you know what what are the levels of investment required what are the time scales involved to get this right because i still think there's this notion in the industry that okay you know we've hired a team of data scientists now let's just go and turn on that light switch and there's all the money right and obviously it doesn't work like that so how does that stack up yeah so um i guess first of all you know, business, you should resist the urge to just jump on a bandwagon here, right? First of all, ask yourself why you need a CEO before you go there. You might not. You may not need a CEO. I'm not here to tell every business in the world that they should have a CEO because absolutely not. Google and Amazon don't have CEOs, right? And there's a very good reason why they've done it. They don't need them. Um, so, uh, and equally, some, you know, smaller, mid-sized businesses might not need CEOs either. Um, you know, they may just need pointed value creation around the data space so um the ceo is not the you know is not the, the the solution to every problem that's for sure so then thinking about you know how long does it take and you know what's the what's the investment side again it, it very much depends right so uh, the and this is really the important kind of um uh juxtaposition that you have to understand in order to be successful i think right so first of all if we're talking about enterprise-wide, um, you know, governance analytics, consistent utopia, then I'm not sure we'll ever get there. 
right? So, you know, don't try, I would try not to do that realistically. But if, if we're talking about time to value, with the right people, with the right capabilities, and if you've got the right data already, right, i.e. you don't have to go and fill massive data gaps in order to do the analytics that you need to, there's no reason why you can't have return on investment in six months, none whatsoever. But if you're trying to do that, you know, across a huge organization, there's no chance of that, right? So even within an, a large organization, you have to pick, a, pick an area, pick a problem, focus it down so as it's properly sized and scoped, and go and get a win, and go and get a win quickly, um, and don't overcomplicate it, and get a business sponsor who's going to shout from the rooftops that you've had a win. Um, that's the that's really essential in the early days of any data analytics organization. Um, but then also have an eye on the strategy, have an eye on the investment approach, have an eye on how you're going to fund things, um, have an eye on how you're going to do innovation. So you could because you have to be able to present to the board a strategy at the end of the day, um, and that's going to require investment. Now it's gonna be a broad continuum, right? Around yeah, are you a large company or are you a small company? So it could be anything from you know, a few million uh, at the very small scale up to hundreds of millions um, uh, at the larger scale. If you're doing a full-scale enterprise-wide infrastructure change, data governance implementation, data quality implementation, um, build of a team, implement uh, data science platform and capabilities on a large scale, um, then it's in the region of, you know, well, it's getting cheaper with cloud and things like that, but it's it's probably in the ballpark of anything between 150 and 200 million euros. It depends a lot on what you're trying to do. Right? So don't take don't take my word for that. <laughs> yeah, and I, but I think that's why the whole NED thing is going to be so important in the future, right? Because I think that's that's still part of. I think that's one of the biggest problems is that most organisations want to do something they know that they should be but it's kind of to, to what extent and um yeah. you know I mean, how they make those decisions is, is difficult i guess at the moment but to what extent have they already invested right i mean there may well be you know some capex um in an existing platform in which case you know that number comes down significantly right because a lot of it is is some of it is in technology a lot of it is in human resources in in capability and skills that, that probably don't exist in the organization today Mm -hmm. uh, you need to build fresh, you know, and that's not just data science. It's right across the board in terms of your data management, the BI capabilities and analysts and data governance experts. It, you know, it's a right, it's what, you know, data, data engineers, you know, I mean, we see a lack of those in many organizations. So, you know, there's a wide range of roles that require investment in order to get this right. Um, but if you really boil that down to, hey, look, I'm going to do one, I'm going to solve one problem in one country, then you probably need you know, one data management person, one data engineer, one or two data scientists and a business sponsor who's going to stay in the room whilst you work. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, that's, it's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So I guess, and you've probably heard me say this a number of times, Chris, but it, it seems that irrespective of topic that, you know, whether that's something that I'm involved with on LinkedIn or whether it's a podcast or whatever the case may be, mm. You can almost always trace that back to there being some kind of cultural shift required, right, within an organization in terms of how the business thinks about data analytics, how it behaves around it, how it operates with it, within it, whatever the case may be. And that often seems, you know, as we know, you know, ch change changes and isn't always the most well received and it's not often cheap and so on and so forth. But 
how do we how do we make that happen? You know, as a, I guess as a CDO, you know, if you've landed in an organisation and it's never had one before, and you're going to be setting up this capability, and I'm sure there's a lot of communication that goes around internally about that type of, of stuff. But how do you start to get the business on side on board so that cultural shift can can happen? Yeah, um, I mean, communicate, empathise, and execute. Right? I mean, um, so you know, you have to engage. You have to understand, you have to communicate out. So you have to have a communication strategy, right? Because particularly in large organizations, you have to actually think about how you structure this, how you communicate, through which channels you communicate, and what you communicate. Um, uh, and in all of my CEO roles in the past, we've always had a communication budget specifically because it does require investment. Um, then empathize, understand the business, understand the position. Don't go tell. Don't um, you know? Drop the overzealous data governance journey because I think it, it it alienates the business. It doesn't bring them on board. Switch to thinking more data excellence, um, uh, and get them bring them on board and get some quick wins. As I said, like get some scores on the board. You have to do that and get that momentum. It, it's much better that the business starts to transform through a business leader than through you trying to tell the business something they probably don't understand. They have to experience it, and they have to experience it in business terms. Um, so that's all wrapped up in the communication and the stakeholder engagement piece. Um, uh, and then on top of that, figure out how you're going to train, because it's not just the leadership level that's going to be impacted. It's all levels in the organization. People's jobs will change. AI will change people's jobs, but actually even normal analytics will change people's jobs. People who are not used to using data, who suddenly start to need to use data, need new skills. They need to understand how to do data preparation, how to use data, how to analyze data, and how to look for um, the, the signals that they need to improve their lives. So, um, But you have to do that with a great deal of empathy, um, and you have to recognize it takes time. Technology change happens about 10 times faster than cultural change. So technology is not your problem. Culture is your problem. And therefore, embrace that, understand how to tell stories, understand how to bring people with you, uh, understand how to connect, um, and then start to score some wins to make sure it's not just you that is telling the story. Yeah. The communication piece fascinates me because not to say that many people don't talk about it, but many people talk about it quite, you know, quite blasé, like, you know, it's important to communicate. And of course it is, but I guess um, there's not many people out there saying, you know, you should have a budget for a, a communication strategy aligned with doing this. So just talk us through what that's looked like for you previously. Absolutely essential in my mind, right? So, you know, generally speaking, the organization you join is not strong at internal communication. Let me just put it that way. Right? I mean, it's not their core business. The core business is external communication. Um, I have seen businesses that are very good at it, so it's not a blanket statement, but most likely um, you're going to need some funding to create a brand, to connect with people, and you're going to need a role in your organization that's responsible for it because it doesn't get done through osmosis. And as a CEO, you don't have time to do it either. So, you know, we have a community manager uh, in my team who manages the way we connect with people online through the internal social network. We have a brand and we have an external communications um, uh, service that helps us with that, that does regular podcasts with me um, internally. So as there's a regular podcast going out around things that we're doing, so we're also telling people what's happening 
Um, there's a social network which we call the data bar uh, where people can come and interact with us online and have questions answered. Um, and there's a there's a whole, you know, they run competitions, they run engagement, we have communities that we run. Each of the different practices in my organization have communities. So there's a master data management community, there's a data science community. Um, because it is a federated world, it's not just about our team. Um, it's way beyond that. And that's really the power that, that you drive. So you have to take a very professional approach to it. We have a communication plan. We know what, what pieces of communication are going to arrive when. We know who's responsible for doing the video or the podcast or whatever it is at that moment in time. Um, we wrap communication around our deliveries as well. So um, all of those things are critically important but often forgotten uh, in terms of how the, the chief data officer organises itself and, um, and communicates. Because if people don't know what you're doing, well, you can't expect not to be surprised when you tell them that you did something 12 months ago and they don't know anything about it. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's that's really fascinating because I think, um, as I said, I've not heard many conversations happening like this where people are, are kind of talking about official budgets and strategies and getting this right to, for a communication standpoint. You know, it's normally just a off-the-cuff remark of, you know, it's important to communicate and stuff. Yeah, but, you know, just going back on something you mentioned earlier, you know, about the skills of someone coming into the role, you know, understanding this and also understanding that you've got to get your budget set up correctly, not just for your the organization you're responsible for, but also the organization you're going to serve. So cross-charging is like the, the, the nemesis, of, you know, like the real big challenge here, right? Because you're trying to innovate and experiment. Um, and every time you do that, you're going to hit a GM's PL. And and therefore you've got to ask yourself, is that a smart thing to do? Or do I need to actually speak to the board and talk to the CFO? about how actually we can fund innovation within the organization and how we can keep some of that budget centralized um, and therefore encourage and incentivize GMs and business leaders to start using the services that you're deploying. So, you know, someone has to have all these hats available to them to think about how am I funding, how am I communicating, what are we doing technically, um, how am I rolling out data governance, what's happening with data protection, What's happening? Should I be doing a data ethics program? What's happening with you know all of these different subjects? And you can see, you know, when you think about what's on the plate of a CEO in that context, how am I developing? You know, how am I retaining data scientists? Right, all of these things come along. So you've got an interaction with HR, with with your CFO, with your CHRO, with your COO. You've got all of these conversations going on at once. You've got a communication strategy, and you're probably rolling out a data academy to make sure people can learn. Um, and then you've got this finance thing. Well, you know, people have to be able to understand all of those things when they come into the role, um, if they're going to be successful and if they're going to build the team that has the right capabilities in it to be able to not just deliver technical solutions, but shift the organisation culture. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess on, on the finance piece, because I, I can imagine that that causes issues, right? Because I, you know, I guess... You know, most businesses are kind of looking at this in terms of, right, what do you need to deliver from a technical standpoint for us to be able to make better informed decisions, you know, to drive revenue, to reduce cost, operational efficiencies, uh, mitigating risks, whatever the case may be. I guess I'm intrigued to understand how that conversation goes from, you know, you sat there with the CFO saying, how much money have I got for a communications budget? So I guess is all of this done upfront in terms of piling all of that into your, to your budget? 
as much as possible. I, I think um, as much as possible, you want to you want to be able to set out. Look, these are the kind of prerequisites for success, right? These are the things I need to have, and then and then everything else scales around demand, right? So there's there's kind of a core that is essential for success. And then there's scalability in the rest of the organization, depending on how you're going to set it up, whether it's kind of federated, centralized, you've got to think about the operating model and how all of that works. And then you've got to have the conversation of uh, who pays for this, right? So, uh, you know, and that's the cross-charging discussion, right? So um, if you're setting something up from new, you have the you have the benefit of being able to set this out from fresh. But if you're picking something up that's already been done, um, then you have to look at what's been done and say, well, this is missing some things, and then you're going to have to convince people that these are real prerequisites for success. So you're probably going to be looking for, you know, things that haven't worked so well that would have worked better if they'd have had these things. Um, so, you know, the conversation can be different depending on the, the situation you find yourself in and also how well you framed the role that you're there to do. Um, you know, if if everybody accepts that actually it's a transformational role that includes the transformation of um, of culture within the organization, then at least you have a start of the team. But if you're there on a purely technical mission to implement a new data lake, good luck with trying to find communication budget. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, look, as we try to start kind of bringing all this together and wrap this up, Chris, I guess. Um, put you on the spot a little bit here, but if if you were to kind of surmise the key things, so first of all, if there's organizations or executives out there that are thinking about going on this journey, whether they've done something within data or not, and I'd probably stress that nine times out of 10, most businesses have started to do something with data before they think about, right, we might be at a point where we need a CDO. Yeah. What should that organization be thinking about in order to get this right before they appoint a CDO, or what should they be thinking about around getting this person in, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, I think they, they need to, it can sound a bit obvious, but um, they need to think about why they want it in the first place. Um, and then they, they should think about, you know, two or three key KPIs that would define success for the person coming into the role. And then they need to think about, well, given those KPIs that I think will define success, what would need to happen in order for those to be in place. So am I really talking about a large-scale transformation of culture of the organization? Is that really what I'm talking about? Or am I talking about you know a narrow focus um, growth curve of X, right? And then uh, if it's the latter, you might not need a CDO, right? In all honesty, that, that might not require a CDO. It might require something very much more focused, or you might want to start your CDO journey with a with a more junior position in place to, to dip your toe in the water through that mechanism. Um, but the minute you start thinking, hey, I need a C-level role, then no C-level individual with the right experience is going to go into that role and say, well, you know, I'm just going to fix HR because that's not the job, right? So, um, you know, you have to think about if you're going to be thinking about a CDO, you better be thinking about some sort of broader journey with a longer timescale on it um, that has some significant strategic impact because otherwise it's probably not a CDO role, right? So, you know, the, the process of going through that will tell you whether you need one or not. And if you come to the conclusion that this is a long journey, it's strategically important, it's going to create strategic competitive advantage, it's going to be sustainable, um, then unless you are Google or Facebook, you're probably looking at a, a, a cultural transformation at which time that's the time to start saying, okay, 
maybe I add two or two or more KPIs to this list because I've realized this is a, this is a transformation journey. Um, and then I'm going to start looking for the right individual with the right skills. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And I guess in terms of the data leader that's looking to, and I know you've touched upon this, but I guess if you were to surmise a few kind of key, real key points that these people should be thinking about in order to position themselves in a place to be not just obviously be interested in that role, but be ready to take on that role. Cause I think that's the important piece here. Um, what, what are those, you know, what advice have you got? Uh, be asking questions, right? Be asking all the questions that I just said the board should be thinking about before they speak to you. Um, and ask those questions to make sure that they're in the right place, but be prepared um, to help them get there because they're not all there. And the real mark of a CEO is someone who can ask the questions, identify the gaps, and then help the organization get to where it needs to be um, if it's not where it needs to be at the beginning. So um, be open-minded, be clear about what the prerequisites for success are and make sure they're set up. Um, as part of that journey. And then recognize everything I just said about the different skill sets you, you need to be successful, you know, the finance, the different areas, you know, all of those areas, you know, think about where your gaps are and be, and be honest about it. None of us are good at all of those things, myself included, right? We all have gaps. So just be self-aware around where those gaps are and think about how you build your team. So as your team fills the gaps, you know, I'm not a big, believer in the things that you're bad at you can fix right the things you're bad at you're bad at right just find people who are good at those things and get them into your team yeah yeah absolutely well chris look um been an absolutely fascinating conversation thank you so much for uh for your time and um it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and um yeah look forward to keeping in touch with you indeed i look forward to the future and um let's stay in touch yeah perfect cheers chris speak soon Thanks. Right. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.